Welcome to the Collins Hill Pulpit Podcast, a ministry of Collins Hill Baptist Church of Lawrenceville, Georgia. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you Bible messages that are relevant to the day and age in which we live. These messages have been preached from the pulpit of Collins Hill Baptist Church in recent days. Now, here is today's message. So Luke chapter number 2, let's read one verse together. Look here at Luke chapter 2, verse number 19. We're going to be in two different places this morning, uh, but we're going to be here and then we're going to flip one page over. But look here, Luke chapter number 2, the Bible says here in verse 19, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we we ask that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word this morning. God, I know and I understand and I believe that this has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with any, any sort of power or any sort of wisdom that I think I may have, but it is all according to your, pow- your power and your wisdom. And God, I pray that you would, you would speak through me today. You'd hide me behind the cross. But Lord, I do pray most of all, as I've, as I've already said this morning, that if there be one here that doesn't know you as Savior, that today through the preaching of your word, they would realize their need of a Savior and that they would come to the saving faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder, how many of you have a day a day, D-A-Y, that you think of, and when you think about it, you say, I will never forget that day as long as I live. Or maybe you say, man, I, I think back and there is just that one day that I'll never forget. How many of you, by just a show of hands, say, there's a day that I will never forget? I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have just a day. For me, I, three days come to mind. First day was October 7th, 2007 when I, as a six-year-old boy, called on the Lord to save me. I'll never forget that day. I don't remember all of the details. I do remember where I was. I remember I can kind of go back into my mind and picture it almost. And I remember looking up at my dad, and he, he asked me if I wanted to be saved. Apparently, I had been asking questions. I don't quite remember all of that. But I'd been asking questions about salvation, what it meant, how could I be saved. And my dad took me by the hand. We went down to the altar And I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And I can tell you for sure I will never forget that day. Another day that I think of is June 24th, 2014. That was the day I was called to preach. That was the day God called me to preach to the ministry. I remember there in the Dale Horton Auditorium at Pensacola Christian College during Teen Extreme Camp. I I stood there and I was scared to death, shaking like a leaf. Had a knot in my stomach because I knew God was calling me to preach. And, uh, And of course I surrendered that night. To that call. But then the third day that I will never forget, and I believe that this, I won't forget this date, but I'm looking forward to the addition of this date. But it's June 15th, 2023. That was the day that I begged, I mean, asked Savannah to marry me. And uh, it was a little bit of begging. But I convinced her. Well, when I think about these days, and maybe when you think back to, to that day that I had mentioned, uh, that day that you had thought of, Brings about some excitement, some joy, maybe just, maybe just some happiness, maybe some thankfulness in your mind. And that's good. That's great. That, we, we all need those days that we can think back to and say, man, I'm so thankful that I was able to live that day. As we read this, as I read this verse, and 
As I study this passage and look at verse 19, I can't help but think that this day was one of those days for Mary. She had given birth to the baby Jesus. And she knew based on what an angel had come and announced to her in the previous chapter, which is what we're going to look at later, we find that Mary, she knew that she was given birth to something a little bit more than just a regular old baby. She was given birth to the Son of God, to the King. And in fact, she did. And we see that it was upon the shepherds rejoicing in the verses before, and they're making known abroad that Mary, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What does that mean? Well, Mary, it was one of those days, and to her, she kept that, she pondered it. That word kept, it means that she remembered She kept note of. She brought to her mind many times the things that had happened that day. But even beyond that, what I believe happened on that night where the angel came and told her that you will bring forth the son. Not only do we see that word kept that she remembered, but we also see this word pondered. That word pondered, it means to weigh. It it means to, to to give credence to, to give memory to, to meditate on. We see that Mary, she not only remembered these things, but she, she gave them time. She, she allowed them to weigh, weigh on her, to, to weigh in her heart. She, she kept them. She pondered them. She thought of them often. She meditated on them. And today I want us to look at the title of the message is Precious Ponderings. Some of the things that Mary would have pondered and, and some of the things that I believe we too should ponder in our lives. As we come to this Christmas season, we, we know that, that Christmas, it's more than just Santa Claus. It's more than just these gifts. It's more than all these things. No, no, Christmas is about Jesus Christ. It's about him coming to this earth, being born of a virgin girl, being, living life, perfect life, being buried. He was killed, being buried and rising again on the third day. That is what this season is all about. And we see Mary pondered some of the things that she had experienced. And so I want you to take your Bible and just flip back one page, or maybe for yourself, just look across to Luke chapter number 1. That's where we're going to be walking through this passage this morning. But I want to give you the very first one of these precious ponderings. The first thing that Mary pondered, the first thing that I believe we ought to ponder in our lives today, you see it on your handout, is number one, His precious name. We see his precious name. Luke chapter number one, verse 31 says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bible, I encourage you to underline that word Jesus. I tell you, as I was studying this, I felt an overwhelming sense of unworthiness when I read that name. When I considered, how am I going to be able to preach? How am I going to be able to stand before people and bring the message that God's laid on my heart and begin with that name? Oftentimes, we just think it's just another name. Many, many folks, they just use it flippantly. They use it as a cuss word. They just kind of throw it around like it means nothing. But, but friend, let me tell you this morning, this name, this name Jesus, it is a precious name. It is a name that, as we're going to look at in 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 some verses here in a moment, it is above every name. 
It's a name that is unlike ours. It's a name that means Emmanuel. That's his other name, Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just a name like yours and mine. No, it is a name that is far above our names. It is a precious name. It is this name, Jesus. And maybe to you, Jesus is just somebody that we reference during Christmas. Maybe Jesus is just somebody that, that we think about you know, every now and again. But we don't really take the time to sit back and just say, Father, how precious your name is. I think about the song. It goes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Look, I can tell you this much. I, I, I get very happy when I hear Savannah's name. When I see Savannah's name pop up on my phone that she's calling me, I get excited. I get happy. And I'm sure that you can, you can give the, the names of those that when you see them calling, you're just so happy that they've called. You're so happy to see that name. But can I tell you that, that there is a name that is far greater than the name of the person that you love most in this world. And it is this precious name, Jesus. It is far above every name. It is, it's a wonderful name. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to read a few verses here. And we're going to take some, uh, some, some truths about this name. About this precious name. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look here, we're going to read verses 9 through 11. The Bible says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Think about those great names of the past. Even in, in, even in the Christian faith, I think about Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody. Think about C.I. Schofield. I, I think about Fanny Crosby. I think about all the hymn writers, maybe Billy Graham or, or whatever name you want to put in there, or those great names of the faith. Maybe, maybe uh, J. Vernon McGee. I, I don't know. Uh, J.D. Rockefeller. Maybe these great businessmen. I, I don't know. You can put whatever name you want to. Can I tell you that it doesn't matter how great their name was. There is a name that is far above that name. There is a name that is greater. There's a name that is more powerful. This is the name that can break the chains of addiction, as Brother Mike testified to, that, that this week was 30 years that he was clean. That, 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 that name, Jesus, was able to do that. That there's not an amount of self-will that you and I can muster that can save ourselves from our own sins. That there's not enough self-will that we can have that can break those addictions, that can break the chains of bondage that we have. No, there is only one name, there's only one person that can do that, and that is Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, you say, I've never been in church before, maybe you have been, but you say, I don't know for a fact that I'm saved. Can I tell you, there is only one name that can save you. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I can't help it because I love that name. And it is the name Jesus Christ. It is more than just this baby in the manger that we celebrate during this season of Christmas. No, it is a name that God has highly exalted. And God has given this name to, this, to the Son of God, to God Himself that is above every name. Look at verse 10 with me. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth 
and that at every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to notice some things about this name with me. You have it on your handout. Letter A, that it is a sanctified name. This precious name, Jesus, it is a sanctified name. We often refer to Jesus as Jesus Christ. He is the Christ. What does Christ mean? That means he is the anointed one. He is the one that is set apart. He is the sanctified one. He is the one that God anointed to send forth to this earth to die for the sins of all mankind. We see that this name, it is a sanctified name. This name, it shows his purpose. It is a sanctified name. His purpose, as Luke 19.10 tells us, it was to come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you are in this verse. You are the lost. You haven't been found. You haven't been saved. You are lost. You are lost, dying on your way to a devil's hell. You say, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't like that. I don't, I don't really uh, enjoy being told that. Well, you know, the truth is, is that you're not supposed to enjoy it. Because the truth of the matter is, is that without Jesus Christ, without this precious name, without Jesus Christ that came to seek and to save that which was lost, you without Jesus Christ are lost. You are on your way to a devil's hell. But praise the Lord, letter B, that is not only a sanctified name, but it is a saving name. It is a saving name. You see, when we look here at Philippians chapter number 9, we see that God, He gave Him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. The Bible says later that every knee shall bow. Can I tell you this much? You have the opportunity right now, this morning, you have the chance to go before God and you can bow your knee willingly before God. But the Bible says that every knee should bow. Every person that's under the sound of my voice should, and if you're saved, you already have, but should bow your knee to Jesus Christ. But there is coming a day, there is coming a day where whether you did it now or whether you, you said, you know what, I don't want to do it. My pride won't let me. I've got to hold on to my own uh, way of getting to heaven. I've got to, I, I'm too prideful. I, I can't. I won't bow my knee. There is coming a day where the Bible says you will bow. Every knee will bow. Right now you're in the should bow stage. But there is coming a day when it's eternally too late. And guess what? Whether you say, I'll, oh, I'll never bow to him, you will bow. The Bible says that every knee should bow. Here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, but the Bible says later that every knee will bow. I encourage you, let today be the day that you bow. Today be the day where you bow your knee before God and you admit to, your, to, to, to Jesus Christ that you are a sinner and that without him there you have no hope of eternal salvation and that you're putting your faith and trust in him alone to save you. Today is the day, the Bible says in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Matthew 1.21, that is the parallel to Luke chapter 1. It says, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And then it goes on and says, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ, it is in that name that we find eternal salvation. The Bible says in Revelation, let all who thirst come to the fountain and drink freely. Whosoever thirst, you can come to this fountain. Jesus is this fountain. If you need to be saved this morning, Jesus is the fountain for salvation. If you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved by Jesus Christ. No creed, no confession, no church can save you. 
Jesus Christ alone can save you. Not only do we see that it is a sanctified name, we see it's a saving name, but letter C, we see that it's a sovereign name. It is a sovereign name. Look at verse 11 of Philippians chapter 2. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I tell you that whether or not you make Jesus Christ, and by the way, you should, but whether or not you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it does not affect whether or not he is already Lord of all. Our making God the Lord of our life doesn't affect the, the, the fact and the truth that he is already Lord of all. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. That's just who he is. But what he wants you and I to do is to make him the Lord of our life. To where we say, you know what, Lord? I submit my will to you. I submit my life to you. And what you want me to do, I'll do. Where you want me to go, I'll go. What you want me to say, I'll say. You submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But whether you do that or not, He is already Lord. He is still Lord. The Bible says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The same thing that I mentioned about verse number 10 in this in this passage is the same truth in verse number 11. Later, the Bible says that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Friend, you can confess Jesus is Lord right now, but there will come a day, if you don't do it now, that you will do it. But by that time, it's too late. I can't plead with you enough. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day of salvation. You say, what will everybody think? Who cares? The devil would love to trick you and say, oh, they're going to judge you if, you if you step out and go down that aisle and ask Jesus to save you. You're, you're going to lose all your friends. You're going to lose all your family. Everybody's going to turn their back on you. The devil will try and make you believe everything. But can I tell you, there is no lie worth going to hell for. Hell is a real place. The Bible says that it is a place that, uh, of burning and wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a real place. The Bible says in the book of Luke, Chapter number 16, that there was a rich man. He had everything that this, were, uh, that this earth could offer him. And the Bible says that in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. The, Bi the Bible teaches that hell is a real place. And whether you and I believe it or not, it doesn't affect the truth of the word of God. Hell is a real place that is full of torments. And if you die without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will spend an eternity there. But we see that his name, it's a sovereign name. He is Lord. He is the Lord of Lords. We see that it is a sanctified name, a saving name, a sovereign name. I read this quote by a preacher. His name was T. DeWitt Talmadge. He lived in the 1800s and he preached a message. And as I read this, I, I, got, I had tears in my eyes. We're going to see if I can make it through it. Half of the words I couldn't even understand or pronounce too, so... Beautiful name, Jesus. It stands for love, for patience, for kindness, for forbearance, for self-sacrifice. It is aromatic with all odors and accordant with all harmonies. Sometimes when I see that name, the letters seem to be made out of tears. And then again, they look like gleaming crowns. Sometimes they seem to be as though twisted out of the straw on which he lay. Then as though built out of the thrones on which his people shall reign, sometimes I sound that word, Jesus. And I hear coming through the two syllables, the sigh of Gethsemane, the groan of Calvary. And again, I sound it and it is, it is all a ripple with gladness and a ring with Hosanna. Take all the glories of bookbindery and put them around the page where that name is printed. On Christmas morning, wreath it on the wall. Let it drip from the harp strings and thunder out in organs. 
Sound it often, sound it well, until every star shall seem to shine it, and every flower shall seem to breathe it. And mountain and sea and day and night and earth and heaven acclaim in full chant. Blessed be his glorious name forever, the name that is above every name. And today I, pr- I proudly and boldly proclaim to you that the name of the God that I serve, Jesus Christ, it is a precious name. And I believe that Mary, she pondered this in her heart. That name, Jesus. What a wonderful name. Jesus. Not only do we see it's a precious name. Not only is it a precious name, but it is a perfect. We see his perfect nature. I'm sorry. We see his perfect nature. Number two, his perfect nature. Look here at Luke chapter one, verse 32 again. We're going to be back here in the book of Luke. Luke chapter number one, verse 32 says, he shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. Can I tell you this much? This is controversial in today's day and age. But Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. Jesus was and is 100% God. And when he walked on this earth, he was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. You say, Landon, I don't understand that. Welcome to the club. We cannot fully wrap our minds around an infinite God, an infinite truth that, that Jesus Christ, though he was man, fully man, he was fully God at the same time. Scholars call this the hypostatic union. He was truly God, truly man. You say, Landon, I don't understand it. Well, I don't understand electricity, but I sure do am glad for it. I don't understand how air conditioning works, but praise the Lord, we've got it. Just because you may not fully understand it, you sure can't be thankful for it. I believe that as as the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to call his name Jesus and he's going to be great. And, you will, and he'll be the, the called the son of the highest. I can't help but Mary thought, what a perfect nature he'll have. He's God. He is God. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In your Bible, that should be capital W, Word. I also want you to, Notice that Jehovah's Witnesses will take this verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And they'll say, well, the Greek says a God. He's not the God. He was just a God. Well, can I tell you, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do have a Greek New Testament. And I looked up John 1.1, and I know I know enough to know that it does not say a God. It says the God. He is the God. Then we see in verse 14 of John chapter 1, and the Word, the Word, okay, the Word that was God, that we know from verse 1 was God, and the Word was made flesh. Well, who was made flesh? Jesus Christ. And dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Timothy 3, 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness 
God was manifest. He was shown forth. He was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus, this baby Jesus, from the moment that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, from the moment, from from eternity past until eternity future, he is God. He is God. We see his perfect nature. Not only do we see his perfect nature, but we see number three, his powerful reign. His powerful reign. I want you to notice something, and I want to give you just a little bit before we dive into these, into the, some of the verses we're going to look at. We're going to be going to a couple places here, but I want to go ahead and just take a step back. Before we read it, I want to make something, uh, something clear, something that I believe will be a blessing to you, is that oftentimes in the Old Testament, when we read about a prophecy of Jesus, you'll see a prophecy of his first coming. And then you'll see a prophecy of his second coming right in within the same passage. And there's no break in between. And we know and we believe that Jesus Christ came the first time. And the Jews, the Jewish people were looking for a king that was coming to rule and to reign that day at that moment. But it was a mystery, as the Bible says, a mystery, something that wasn't revealed in the Old Testament, but is now revealed in the New Testament And what was that mystery? It was that there was going to be a break in time. From Jesus' first coming until his second coming, there was a time in between. We don't know how long it is, but we're living in it. It's called the church age. It's called the dispensation of grace. We live in that age right now. So there was the first coming of Christ. And we'll see that in the verses. We see the first coming. And then we'll see the second coming. And we know now, looking back, that the Jews didn't see when they first read it, but God later revealed it, was that there was a time in between. And it is the church age. And so you'll notice, when you read verses that talk about Christ in the Old Testament, you see it says, well, this is about his first coming. And then that's about his second coming. Well, did, did his second coming already happen? Well, no, of course not. There was a break in between. There was a, there's time that goes right in between there. And we're going to see that. But I want you to notice Luke chapter 1 verse 31. We see and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The first three shalls that we see refer to his first coming. But then now we move to to the other three shalls which refer to his second coming. Notice we've already read it I believe. But and the Lord God shall give unto him. There's that first shall. The throne of his father David. When Jesus came the first time, was he given the throne of David? Not yet. Notice, and he shall, here that second shall, reign over the house of Jacob forever. Well, did he he physically reign over the house of Jacob forever when he first came? No, not yet. Then look look at the end. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. This is a physical kingdom. Has this physical kingdom started yet? No, it has not. We know that God is King of kings and Lord of lords and that he is king. But his physical reign here on this earth has not begun yet. Go with me. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 7. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. We're going to notice 
what was being referred to in Luke chapter 1 was spoken of and was promised to David. King David. We, we understand it as the Davidic covenant. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. We're going to start reading in verse number 12. And I want you to notice when we read this, you, you'll notice that there's kind of a double promise. You, you'll kind of realize, well, this is, is this talking about two different people? It is. When we read 2 Samuel chapter 7, you'll notice, well, that's about Solomon. But then it starts talking about using words and it's like, but that's not talking about Solomon. It's talking about Jesus. We see this promise, this covenant that God made with David about the reign of one that would be coming from his seed. Notice 2 Samuel chapter number 7, starting in verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, he's talking to David. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, and uh, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name. Okay? If we, if we remember, we know Solomon built the temple. So this is talking about Solomon. Okay? This is referencing Solomon. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. That's talking about Solomon. But then you've got two words that follow it. That's not talking about Solomon. Forever. Notice it's, it, it's got a double fulfillment. First to Solomon, but there was one that was greater that would be coming. One whose rule and reign will be forever. Notice, he shall, uh, 14, I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. Now, something interesting about this. We know that Solomon sinned. Solomon was judged by God. But notice we see, if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. Who do you think that's talking about? It's talking about Solomon, but that's talking about Jesus. But remember, Jesus didn't commit any iniquity. But guess who did? We have. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 that upon him, he took upon him the sin of all the world. And he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Notice, but my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. You see that double fulfillment? It, it, it references Solomon, uh, 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 one of David's seed that is going to be coming. But there's one that is far greater. One that has a, that's going to have a more powerful reign. A reign that is going to be forever. And it is Jesus Christ. I want to give you uh, something uh, uh, referencing this. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. You, you probably know the first verse. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. God made it so abundantly clear to the nation of Israel and to us today that are reading this this passage and these passages that there was one that would be coming. And that was Solomon. That was someone of David's seed. But even beyond that, there was one and there is one that is coming. We see in verse number six of Isaiah chapter nine, his first coming. And then he says in, his set, in, in verse 7, of his increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That's his second coming. And we know now, looking back, that there was time, that there is time between that. Jesus Christ, he is coming again. He is coming again. He's going to take us out of here. Then for seven years the, of the great tribulation, the earth, God is going to be judging the earth of sin, bringing the nation of Israel back to the land, bringing the nation of Israel back to himself, And then he will come. He'll step foot on the Mount of Olives. He'll walk across the Kidron Valley right through the eastern gate of the temple. And there he will establish his kingdom. He is coming again. God made it clear to David of this truth. But we saw, we see there, I skipped letter A here, but that was all in the expected reign of Christ. The expected reign of Christ. But letter B we see, as I've already mentioned, it is an eternal reign. Letter A, and it was an expected reign, but letter B, it is an eternal reign. The verses we've read, we've read forever. We read it many times of his kingdom, of his power, of his glory forever. It'll never end. Jesus Christ will reign physically forever. It was, it is an eternal reign. Jesus Christ will never be up for re-election. He'll never be voted out. He'll never have anybody come against him. He will be king of kings and lord of lords physically on this earth for time and eternity. There will never be an end. And I tell you what, I'm thankful that I'll never have to be in that time voting for any other president. I won't have to be voting for any other senator or any other representative. It'll be Jesus. He'll be reigning for eternity. Not only do we see his precious name, his perfect nature, his powerful reign. But lastly, I want you to notice. We see his predicted promise, his predicted promise. Now, I've heard a lot of messages on this verse and they stir my heart every time. Because it seems that every time that I come across this verse, Luke chapter number one, every time I come across this verse. It speaks to me just in a little bit of a different way. Notice the verse with me. Luke chapter number one. We see Mary, she had pondered this precious name, his perfect nature, his powerful reign. But lastly, we see that Mary pondered, and I believe that we ought to ponder this morning, his predicted promise. His predicted promise. Notice with me in verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall shall be impossible. Something so interesting about this verse. Oftentimes we think about it in generics. We think about in in the generics of God's word, what he promises that generically it'll happen that, you know, with God, nothing's impossible. We we can say that, but really, do we believe it? Is that with God, nothing is impossible. Something interesting is that this word nothing, 
This word nothing that we see here, it's actually made up of two Greek words. The first word is no. Okay. The second word is thing. Let's say, wow, thank you. Well, the, word, the Greek word for thing is the Greek word that we find not logos, which is the word, but it is the specific word. The specific word of God. A specific principle. A specific verse. A specific pondering. Something specific in our lives. With God, no thing, nothing that is generic, but no thing. The specific things in your life, with God, they're not impossible. Those specific things, maybe it's a family member. Maybe you think of a family member. Maybe they've gone astray. Maybe they're not saved. I don't know. Maybe just think about a family member. Can I tell you that with God, that specific thing is not impossible. Whatever you're praying for, maybe it's a health need. That health need with God, it is not impossible. And what this verse isn't talking about, which it's a, we can apply it, is not our overall health. But no, it is those specific things, those specific things that maybe only you and God know about. Can I tell you that with God, that specific thing is not impossible. God is able. God is able. A wonderful message that I've heard. I've, heard, I've listened to it a couple times. Preached by Harold Seitler, pastor, he pastored the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. He preached the message, can God, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And he preached and that message went everywhere because can God fix this situation? God can. Can God do this thing? Yes, he sure can. God can. Whatever situation is in your life, whatever specific situation that you have going on in your life, God can. God is able John Phillips once said, the God who can create a hundred billion galaxies, the God who can pack all the details needed to create a lion or a lamb in the code of life, can do whatever he wills. Whatever situation in your life that you're going through, the situation that you say, I do not understand this, the situation that you say, I don't, I don't see an end to it. Can I tell you that with God, with God, no thing, no thing is impossible. God is able. Can God? God can. We see it's a predicted promise. We can count on it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. In the areas that, that I can't help you, God can. In the areas you can't help me, God can. In the situations of your life, God can. That wayward child, God can. That wayward friend, God can. Can God? He sure can. Is it impossible with Him? It's not. Maybe you're here today and you say, God can't save me. You don't know what I've done. 
You, you don't know the things that I've seen, the, the places I've gone, the sins I've committed. You say, you don't know, Landon. You know what? I don't. But although you may be a great sinner, although you may have a lot of sin in your life, this, this precious name, th- th- this one who has a perfect nature, this one who will have a powerful reign, this one who has given us a predicted promise, He can save you. He wants to save you. One of the greatest messages I've ever heard, messages that I've I've personally loved to preach, just because of the truth in it. The three points are this. It's from the life of Zacchaeus, that wee little man. He sees me. He knows me. He wants me. Jesus walked by. He looked up. He saw Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, he knew him. He says, come down. Today, I'll be dining with you. He wants you. Friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he wants you. He wants to save you. If I could get on my hands and knees and beg you and it didn't make any difference, I sure would. Nothing is worth an eternity in hell. Today is the day of salvation. I wonder today, do you take time to remember that precious name? Do you take time during this Christmas season to remember the name of Jesus? To ponder that name, that that, that nature, that reign, and that promise? Let's be sure this season to do what I believe Mary did. She pondered these truths in her heart. And I believe we ought to as well. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'll ask you to stand here in a moment. But as you're there seated, and as musician comes. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Bible message. We pray that you've received a blessing, and we look forward to being with you again in the future.